Overall from the field, but he was also 50% from threes. He's 5 to 10. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely, you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want he's to be ranked in the number one. Eight. Welcome in. Welcome in to another episode of Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxinian family. And we are coming off a very fire worthy game between the number five ranked Houston Cougars and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Obviously, the Cougars coming off a loss on the road to the Kansas Jayhawks. We're looking to bounce back this Tuesday night inside the Vertita Center, and boy, that they did that. And more, tempers flared, but let's start with the with the kind of the big event that kind of stole the headlines in that second half. Calvin Sampson ejected around the 15-minute mark now. Granted, the Cougars were already up 17 points when he got ejected. Uh, Houston wasn't necessarily in danger of losing the game, but it did still ignite and provided a spark for the Houston Cougars. They went on eight on run. They made that the that 18-point lead expand, and boy, Kelvin Sampson was furious. I did. You know, obviously, we, we've both been around the program. We've both been following the program for years. I think, at least from it, from my perspective, that's one of the angriest I've seen Kelvin Sampson in a while. And he was very clearly uh, frustrated with the no call on uh, Oklahoma State's big man, uh, shoving off Jamal Shedd. And then the ESPN2 broadcast showed the play before. Javier Francis had kind of been undercut another no call. So it kind of built up, and, and Kelvin Sampson exploded. Yeah, seems like they showed a sequence of plays that had him frustrated. And, I mean, that was, um, I'm sure, a well thought out. I'm sure because it, 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 it seemed well calculated, and it was masterful by him. It's So it shows a, a few things to his team. It's going to show, I got your back. And obviously calls something I'm sure they've been talking to officials about seeing on film. And then in the heat of the moment, then something happened to his best player, and it's fiery as he came all the way down court <laughs> where the play happened and let him know, look, that was a foul. <laughs> and so, I mean, that shows your team. I got your back. Um, that same intensity that he talks about, I'm sure they see it in practice all the time. And so to actually see it in the game and then it ignite the team and the crowd. I mean, it was, it, it was, I, I want to say it was beautiful to see. I mean, it really was. I mean, and then um, just after that, I mean, from, uh, seemed like a, a, a not, not a dead crowd, but just a a, a, a copacetic crowd. I mean, the game was it was a I, game. Yeah, yes. I think they were kind of they were kind of slumber. So it was Oklahoma State. There's not necessarily that big feel yeah. to it. It was a, a team that was entering this matchup two and seven. It was honestly just another. Okay, for Houston, and, and then when when that happened, it it completely changed the entire atmosphere. I mean, Fertitta Center exploded. It went from just honestly from the fans kind of going through the motions of, of the game to like, hey, they all rallied around their coach, Kelvin Sampson, and the players on the court rallied. The fans rallied. I mean, the referees heard it for those five minutes after um, Calvin Sampson got ejected. They were just on the refs. Channing referees, uh, anti-referee uh, chants, different things pointed at the officials. Every call ignited a reaction. Like like we mentioned, the on-the-court product for the Houston Cougars was big time as well. Yeah, it was, man. It was it was big time. I mean, that's why, I mean, just, just watching it, I just knew what it was going to do to the team. But just the message that it sends, I mean, to your team, the leadership, the tough, everything that they preach, it exemplified him that in that moment, the heat of the moment, sticking up for his players, his team, and letting the official know, like, man, I don't care what the score is or what's going on, I'm not allow you guys to not ref the game and call obvious fouls that can get my guys hurt. And so I mean, it was a beautiful job from him, but – to the game itself, I mean, Houston, Oklahoma State, they came to play. I mean, to start the game, they defended well and was def- making a couple shots that kind of kept it close, but it was only a matter of time before Houston started making consecutive shots and got consecutive stops and kind of pulled away. It was good to see Jamal Shedd to get back on track. 
Yeah, big time. Jamal Shedd had 17 points at halftime. Finished the game with 23 points, four assists. We both know Jamal Shedd most definitely could not have been happier or satisfied with the performance that he had on Saturday up in Lawrence, Kansas. And he had a great bounce back game. He looked very locked in, like you mentioned. He was uh, the phrase that was mentioned over the course of the ESP. ESPN2 broadcast, which was, again, he's the head of the snake. He's the leader of this Houston Cougars team. And he came out and played like he had a point to prove again, especially after the performance where he only had seven points against Kansas, didn't necessarily shoot particularly well, obviously missed that big layup when Houston kind of had a chance to make a rally in that game. Complete turnaround. And from that standpoint, he kind of really was the leader in this in this game from that standpoint. And the Cougars never really looked back to your point, Dan, like you mentioned. Uh, Oklahoma State played good defense early, but then Houston turned it up and they held them scoreless for over or they held them without a field goal for almost over eight minutes in the middle of that first half. And from that point, the game was pretty much well in hand for Houston. It was. And on the defensive end, um, Chris went out and said that he predicted that Oklahoma State wouldn't score 70. They got goes to a down stretch, but they didn't score 70. And you just see the defensive intensity, especially early on. I think it was like three, two or three consecutive um, trips down the floor where they struggled to get a shot off. We got shot clock violation. And one of the times maybe they got it off right before the shot clock expired. And so the defense was there. But just offensively, like I said, that was what I was going to be looking for going into this game. Jamal Shedd, when he is aggressive, but taking shot selection inside the paint and making his mid-range, that only, I think, builds his confidence and his rhythm to be able to knock down his three-point shot. And he pretty much had it going. And then um, Emmanuel, I mean, he's been steady all year, whether his jumper has fallen or not. So that really just shows me he's a true scorer. He knows how to score the basketball, and he was able to knock it down some, some jumpers tonight. And he was his usual self in regards to getting to the free throw line and just being an all-around scorer. He finished through 16. And so – uh, offensively, it, it, it was good to see Houston in their guards. But like Coach Sampson said during the week, Houston is yet to have a game where all of their scores are making shots at the same time. So I'm kind of waiting for that game to happen. And the bench players, though, they, they contributed as well. Big time with the win. Houston improves to 20-3 and three on the season. They're 7-3 and three in Big 12 play. Absolutely. Emmanuel Sharp got back to really just being able to knock down in rhythm shots and, and kind of came during that spurt after Kelvin Sampson had got ejected. I don't know if, if it was just a matter of Houston playing more loosely or playing a little bit fired up, but Emmanuel Sharp showed up, especially in that second half. He had a flurry. One player that had a tremendous game tonight against Oklahoma State, Malik Wilson. I mean, he kind of had a little bit of a coming out party for Houston. He was very active, aggressive on defense. He's getting a lot of steals. He got a lot of coast-to-coast layup baskets in this matchup against the Cowboys. He did. He did. And he he looked assertive and looked confident in his shot and getting to his mid-range and using his athleticism kind of to turn and fade over the defense. We saw him make a couple of turnaround jump shots. And even he was driving and looking to get to the basket. And so I think him to get more confident and more comfortable along with Damian. I think I asked Coach Simpson his media availability during the week um, about how he said a couple of weeks ago and it was on him to get Damien um, going. And he kind of reiterated the same thing. He's like, yeah, that's on me to kind of get him going and figure out how to get him comfortable and in this road and get him to where he can be playing well. And so he was able to make a couple of shots tonight and get the ball in a couple in the hole a little bit and get to the free throw line. And so if him and Malik can be um, consistent contributors off the bench, I think this Houston um, offensive team could be even more potent because on any given night, you know Emmanuel is going to get you that that 12. And then Jamal can go for 20-plus and LJ can go for 20-plus. And I'm just looking for a game where both of those guys, LJ and Jamal, both have it going. And Emmanuel just can be that complimentary role player that he's been throughout the entire year. Most definitely big time. I'm looking at the – Comments. I'm working on on getting whether this would be a quad three win for the Houston Cougars. Obviously, a home game for Houston. Um, looking at the net rankings, Oklahoma State coming into today was ranked 139th in the net. So I believe it would be a quad three win for Houston. But I'm gonna double check in a moment. Rex 32 
on YouTube comments, hashtag free Samson. He also brings up this, which we saw a little bit of, of uh, some unusual uh, playing time just in terms of what happened. But Cedric Lott got in the game early in the first half, or he got in the game in the first half, which hasn't happened all season long. A lot of foul trouble for Houston's big man in this matchup. Again, we kind of mentioned it on Saturday, but in the few minutes that he had, picked up a quick foul. Um, again, his inexperience kind of shows in terms of when, when he was guarding, um, was late to go vertical, and they called the foul for him. Uh, but he did get a strong offensive rebound. He looked like a Houston Cougar in that aspect. Anything you'd like to comment with that very, very minimal Cedric Lott minutes in that first half? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, it was something that, like you said, we mentioned last week. And in the last two minutes of the first half, Coach Sampson put him in. And, and I kind of expected it. Going against a, a young team, I could see that that would be a game to get him um, a good two or three minutes on the floor um, against a competitive basketball. And so to see him on the floor, big body, I mean, you can tell – a little bit, well, not really. I mean, he looked he looked confident out there. I think just the more the game plays, the more experience he gets, we'll see him to be even more confident. But when he caught it in the post, he looked, um, threw it back out, and, I mean, he looked like he know what he's doing out there. So as he continues to learn, continues to develop, I'm sure we'll see more of him in years to come. But I wasn't surprised about him getting on the floor tonight. Um, I think this was, this was the game for him to do that early. Coach Samson went to him. Yeah, big time. I think the biggest thing with Cedric Lott, it's just a matter of getting uh, getting experience. And again, going back to the ESP, ESPN2 broadcast, they alluded to how Kelvin Sampson had told them leading up to this game that, you know, and we've heard this in the past, with a lot of the players in Houston, they kind of track their progress or their plans by semester. They On the ESPN2 broadcast, they mentioned how Cedric Lott plan is for him to be a fifth semester player when they start really having or from the outside we start seeing the impact that he has for the Houston Cougars obviously of course this is the third semester for Cedric Lott and he's still got a long way to go but it looks like Houston has a strong plan for him before we get into some of the other comments I'd like to remind everybody thank each and every single one of you guys that's taking that the time out of this Tuesday evening Tuesday night here following Houston's 79-63 win over Oklahoma State to watch Let to Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. Let to Rage Cougs is the original Houston postgame show for each and every single football and men's basketball postgame show. Obviously, of course, we want to thank Steve Saxonian, the primary sponsor of today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs. The Saxonian family is not only the primary sponsor of today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs, but for each and every single men's basketball regular season episode. And uh, we're kind of entering the home stretch when it comes to Big 12 play. Of course, we also like to say thank you to Star Pizza for being today's secondary sponsor on this episode of LRC. With three locations across the Houston area, Star Pizza is your go-to spot. Before or after the game, be sure to stop by on Tuesday for an all-you-can-eat star pizza. Has had free delivery since 1976. Here's your thoughts on this comment, down. I kind of got distracted with Rex32 brought up 6 p.m. too early of a tip-off, but the crowd did fill in. A little bit different for a home game, 6 p.m. tip-off for the most part. I think they were fine, as is, like we mentioned, especially after Kelvin Sampson <laughs> got tossed. The energy went through the roof. Now, I actually noticed that early in that first half, you could see a lot of empty seats. I, I think that's a, a good catch because I actually caught that and with Houston with the 6 p.m. traffic. But within that, um, it, it made me to think about something we brought up before. They need to expand – um, the student section. I think we behind either one of the baskets, both of the baskets, to allow more students in, especially on games like this where maybe you aren't expecting um, a sellout, or maybe if it was a sellout, I don't really know. But I mean, towards the end, you could see it was it was filled in, and, and the crowd was full. But in that first half, you could definitely see a lot a lot of empty seats. I don't know whether it's from the traffic, um, early start people getting off work, traveling to the city game, or whatever the case may be. You, Dan, being getting opportunity to go to Allen Fieldhouse and see how really the layout of, of that arena was, is there anything that stood out to you that, that potentially you could see 
be translated or could be imitated at the Fertitta Center or something that Houston could potentially do down the line that you might have stood out to you? Um, I think as Houston, well, in regards to design, I think as Houston continues to build more history, they'll add more history to some of the hallways in the building in which they kind of have that in some of the hallways now. But in regards to like some of the seating, like I said, I think expand the the student section because they have both student sections um, are behind both of the baskets. And, and that's where you see a lot of the, the heckling, what they do with kids with the free throws. And they don't necessarily have that um, on the floor like Houston has, but all of the other seats are kind of on top of the floor and so it's really not a bad season so if anything for houston i think just not only either expand the seats for students to, to allow to have more of a home atmosphere especially when you play kansas and we heard uh, the announcers mentioned how loud it was for me to actually mm -hmm. being there it was wondering how can houston duplicate that sound and because houston's fans are i mean i don't want to say they're, they're they're not sports fans but they're not college fans i mean they're working people was probably traveling back or alumni coming back to see the game. But it's a lot of this. How is it Kansas too, though? A lot of people I was sitting around were older people. I mean, the huge Kansas fans and they were screaming throughout the entire game. And so I don't know. Think about Houston and this is Houston in general, not just Houston Cougar fans, but when it comes to the big games, they do a good job showing yeah. up for those. When it comes to like today, again, perfect example, Middle of the week, Oklahoma State, it was an earlier tip-off, so most definitely it was a little um, lacking at the beginning, and that, that just comes with the city traffic. I'm sure 5 p.m. trying to leave uh, wherever you may be working, and a lot of people aren't necessarily working in downtown, which is right across the street. They have to go long ways to travel. They have to go home and back, head back to the Fertitta Center. It's a lot of traffic, a lot of different things. Rex32 did ask, Dan, how was it getting in and out? of Allen Fieldhouse, the traffic, the parking, the concessions. Traffic getting out was hectic, 1,000%. Going in, it, it was pretty – it was it was nothing. The concessions was nothing. I mean, it was typical. I mean, they pretty much didn't really have much outside of water and chips. Maybe they had nachos and stuff, but I think – it's. Um, I didn't taste it, so I can't really comment. I just – only on what I saw. But um, the parking and the getting, the getting out was definitely hectic. But I think that's what anywhere when you got a lot of people, that amount of people, that amount of cars getting out. But um, parking was pretty good um, there as well. Paulo Bloxia said somebody reposted a tweet from a UH fan at the game who said it took him an hour to drive the last not for nine miles to Fertitta Center. Traffic must have been bad. I, I saw that tweet on X.com. So, yeah, nine traffic. miles right an there. hour. <laughs> that most definitely was a big obstacle. Uh, big Jack 5102, I can speak from personal experience as well. Yes, 45 South is a nightmare at 5 p.m. in the city of Houston. Especially so, in that area like, near the Cullen exit. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. Anytime there's intersections, um, if you're coming from the north side of town heading 45 south, obviously, uh, or 59 merge, 288 merge, even I-10, all those different spots where multiple highways, freeways merge, it's a pain. It's a nightmare. So, yeah, 6 p.m. tips. Not the best in the world, but it is what it is. Transitioning back into the game itself. Um, speaking of big man, Jawan Roberts. Was in foul trouble basically all the entire night. Ended up falling out in this game. Didn't necessarily have a offensive highlight reel when it comes to only finishing with four four points. He did have, like I mentioned, five fouls fouled out. He still had a couple of nice moves. Missed a couple of layups. Javier Francis finished with eight points, six rebounds. Jawan Roberts didn't have a single rebound in this game. Like we said, we got even got. Some run for Cedric Lott. What did you see from Javier Francis and Jawan Roberts in this game, Dale? Well, uh, wow. As you said, uh, Jawan didn't have a rebound. I just went and looked, and I didn't. That didn't really stick out to me watching the game because he. I mean, he was definitely active, still his normal self. Um, but with fouls, he really was kind of playing cautious, and I don't want to say playing cautious, but definitely thinking about how the referees were calling the game. But um, I think they were both active, especially Jawan. Um, got 
what one put back um dunk off a, off a good pass and one of them he got a deflection finish under the hat under the hoop but for uh, javier it was good to see him healthy i think his length his um activity his athleticism continues to stick out when you watch him play and I think um, it was good to see him back on the floor. He was aggressive on the post. Him and JoJo, and that's one of the things um, that I talked about last game when JoJo catching it off the pick and roll in that little um, mid-range area, be aggressive to score whether he makes it makes it or not. And as soon as he caught it, he shot two floaters, missed one of them, or maybe he missed both of them. And I think he did score one of them. But just all three of them, the post players, when they catching it, looking to score, I think that's only for the betterment of Houston when they have that one-on-one matchup. One of the things that Javier Francis in this game, uh, he had a good move, and I can't remember if it was early in the second half or might have been towards the end of the first half. But again, just talking about how he's grown from a basketball player as a basketball player, just his comfort level with his post move. He had multiple in this game where – no, dribble, backing up, backing up, spin one way, turn around, had a good hook shot, just didn't make the layup. But again, that's something where it's smooth. He getting the move, he was able to get the shot that he wanted against a, albeit it was a young Oklahoma State team, top to bottom, especially in the front court, but very talented as well. So it's good to see Javier Francis being able to make some moves and again, getting point blank layups. Those are, those are shots that Houston's going to take any day of the week. Definitely, and, and looking to score. And then on the, on the pick and roll, I think he can be even a, a bigger threat, especially on the dive when, and when Jamal has it going and teams are going to look to keep him out of the paint, look to stop him from getting inside the basket. You know he's a more than willing passer. He can throw some of those lobs up to Javier, and he can be able to finish as well. And so it's good to see him continue to develop. Big time. Speaking of lobs, he had the really good catch mm-hmm. lob, um, which was set off kind of like it was an action. He set a pick and then backdoor pick, perfect pass, and he caught the lob, which, again, he got to showcase his athleticism in this game against Oklahoma State. Real quickly to, to piggyback what we were talking about a few moments ago, Raun HD says Houston fans will show up. For the important and big games, for games like this, the fans show up, but they do not put in the effort unless the Cougs need it, slash other team as a threat. Could have said it better in terms of what Raul just put there. He said, like Alabama and football, Houston fans are spoiled, but it's also standard here at U of H, the level of play and demand. That's a great point. When the Cougars need it, when there's a situation when they need it, I feel like the fans show on again. It was, it was showcased in this game after Kelvin Sampson was ejected, which on that topic, obviously during post-game availability. Now I read a, uh, I'm going to read a quote from Starnes Leland on X.com who covers the university of Houston for the daily Cougar. And obviously of course for gocougs.com. He this is a quote from Kelvin Sampson, who according to Starnes, Sampson refused to talk about the ejection. And the quote he put is, it's a $25,000 fine if I tell the truth. So don't ask me. I learned that from Mac Rhodes, end quote. So clearly, Kelvin Sampson's still very frustrated. He feels like there's, there were that, something that, that just really um, feels like was done wrong. Or there's 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 a bone to pick with the officials there that Kelvin Sampson's going to hold his tongue um, to avoid that $25,000 fine. But that's something to keep in uh, the back when Chris joins us in a moment, we'll for sure ask him more about Calvin Sampson's comments post game, and honestly, potentially if he could even suffer more consequences from this game, he did leave the coach's box and literally went to the other side of the court um, and yelled at the officials. So maybe potentially that could lead to even more consequences, whether it be a, a, a game, one game suspension. Um, this Saturday at Cincinnati, we shall see. Big Jack 512 says Mac got fined $25,000 in the aftermath of Scott Drew getting tossed the other night. So it seems like there's a lot of conflict going on with the Big 12 and its officials. Sticking back with the game, <clears throat> Damian Dunn was another player where in the first half, I kind of he seemed to be lost in just the plethora of players that were on the court, but I feel like in the second half, he kind of had a stretch there where 
Um, obviously, he hit a couple of shots, and it, it happened during that same moment when Houston was kind of spark uh, on a running on a spark following the ejection. But uh, what stood out to me about Damian Dunn in this game again, it was brought up on the ESPN two broadcast, but they blatantly flat out said that Dunn, one of the players that has kind of incurred the wrath from Kelvin Sampson specifically due to the effort, which again, going back to what we talked about Saturday and we just mentioned the, the really lack of minutes that he had in that game against Kansas. Maybe that could be one potential explanation as to why he didn't necessarily get that many minutes against Kansas today. Increased amount of minutes, played 19 minutes, had eight points, three of six, went one for two from the free throw line. What did you see from Dunn, and what do you think of those comments um, that were brought up on the ESPN broadcast? Um, I don't really take too much in, into those comments. I think it's power, probably just part of Coach Sampson being Sampson and, and sticking to the expectation and the standard that he sticks to um, for his players. And he's not going to change that for anyone. So I take that as just much as be about that. But because on the same token, he took the onus of having to get Damian comfortable and getting him playing better and how that would be to the betterment of the team. And so I think that's more of his focus and, and their focus to figure that out as a team. And so it was good to see him uh, make some shots. In my opinion, he just needs time on the floor because, honestly, he's pr probably – um, the best overall score on the team, Jamal included. In my opinion, all-around game, he's probably the overall best scorer on the team, and so he just needs more time on the floor. And he definitely has that ability to be able to, even when he's not scoring from just baskets, being able to draw contacts and get to the free throw line, which is an underrated skill set that, like you said, it's, it's, it's a skill not every player necessarily has. And he's most definitely, I agree with you, certainly the best player at being able to just put the ball in the basket. Chris Gardner is going to join us in a few seconds but before he does i'd like to remind everybody that this is let's rage cougs presented by the saxonian family like i mentioned at the top of the show let's rage cougs is the original houston men's basketball and football post game show we stream live after each and every single u of h men's basketball and football post game show we'd like to say thank you to steve saxonian for being the primary sponsor of today's episode of let's rage cougs Steve Saxonian has been the primary sponsor not only of this episode, but for each and every single episode of the Let's Rage Cougs men's basketball postgame show, and will continue to do so through the remainder of the regular season. Of course, we also like to say thank you to Star Pizza for being today's secondary sponsor on this show. Star Pizza with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game. Be sure to stop by any of the locations every Tuesday during lunchtime for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. Star Pizza, as always, has free delivery since 1976. And speaking from personal experience, the location at 77 Harvard Street, very convenient in the middle of kind of the midtown area. They have a good parking lot, which is not always uh, a common thing when it comes to restaurants in that area. So they have a pretty big parking lot. And of course, the actual restaurant location is kind of very spacey and it's a good place to just go hang out, have some pizza after the game. And on that note, we welcome in Chris Gardner of the Houston Rombar Review, who is live from the Fertitta Center and was there when tensions rose and Kelvin Sampson was ejected. And obviously, of course, everything else that happened between the University of Houston Cougars men's basketball team and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, fellas. How are y'all? And It's ironic. <laughs> I'm reading this comment from Big Jack about Mac Rhodes down 25,000. Coach Sampson kind of referenced that. He said he learned from Mac. <laughs> he was Coach Sampson was not going to spend $25,000 for a fine. All right. He was asked a question on what happened. And basically his initial response was to the person asking the question, will you help me pay the $25,000 if I speak on what happened? Answer was no. Don't say anything more about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> coach did not speak on what happened. He said, "Y'all saw it. Y'all saw." So he did not get into any specifics, any details on the two tentacles he received. And then he even had a little bit. I think he was being serious, but not serious. He said um, 
he spent time in the back with his grandkids. <laughs> so he wasn't really watching the game too much. He knows, you know, Malik and other guys did well, but he did not spend a whole lot of time watching the game once he got once he got tossed. Well, I want to bring up this comment from Johnny Casanova713 on YouTube. He said Francis was undercut twice and was injured in the second half and no call in which Francis got injured and missed the rest of the game. So I'm assuming he's referencing the Kansas game. Similar situation happened in this game against Oklahoma State where obviously the the, the final match that lit everything was the push-off from the Oklahoma State big man on Jamal Shedd was a no call. I favored obviously the Cowboys and that is ultimately the, the final straw that broke the camel's back when it came to Calvin Sampson's frustration. But on the broadcast, they did show literally the possession right before that on the other end where it looked like Javier Francis had once again kind of been undercut. Calvin Sampson pointed it out as a referee mm -hmm. for running back. It happened again where again, they pushed Jamal Shedd off, no call. And that was... He it went from there. He got ejected, and and that was again, like I said, that was the boiling point for Calvin Sampson. That it was, and that was the last straw in the first half. Oklahoma Cougar players and coaches were were talking to the refs about the illegal screens that OSU was getting away with. So that that started it. The frustration with the officiating or lack thereof of calls not being called. And then Javier on the alley oop, yes, he he got undercut, and that was that was really that was it right there, coach. And then what happened after that? And then a foul total for what a, what a, the Cowboys had thirty seven free throws, something like that. Yeah, thirty seven free throws. Cooks at fourteen, so it all adds up. Cooks still won by sixteen, but yes, Coach Sampson, as everyone saw, if you saw the game, he made a point to go to each of the three officials to frustration with them. But he was not going to get fined at 25 grand. So he did not go into specifics on the record for the media for the league to call him later on and, and find him because a Big 12 official or Big 12 high up VP was in attendance at tonight's game. I know that for, for a fact because I talked to him <laughs> so before the game. On that note, when it came to the fire that led to him being ejected, let's talk about on the court. What stood out to you, Chris? We kind of mentioned, touched on all the different things when it came to Jamal Shedd having a bounce back performance after the, for Jamal Shedd standards, um, the low end of the spectrum against Kansas was able to bounce back in a big way at 17 points at halftime finish with 23 points total. It really seemed like he was on a mission to prove a point and really put that bad performance in the rearview mirror on Saturday. And he, he, he scored a hard fall early in the game and he shook it off. So, I mean, a lot of coups took hit the court. For LJ Cryer had a, had a look like he got bent back and stretched mm -hmm. out the leg, hamstring, groin, whatever. And then of course, Ramon Walker does what he does is toss his body all over the floor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what he's part of his, his role on the team. But they were much more active on the boards. Jamal was much more effective scoring. He made his shot that he missed at, at Kansas. It's just one of those days. Kluge shot 50% in this game. And it's not 68.9%. But for the most part, I think all three of us and most of the fans who are watching LRC, if the Kluge shoots 50% or better, we like the chance of winning ball games. Okay, so... They don't do it often, but when they do, they really win big. And tonight was one of those games. Oklahoma State was in the game because of all the free throws they got. And they missed some of them, but they still went to line and had 37 free throws. But Bleak Wilson scored. Dayon, I'm sure, was happy about that, even though he missed two layups in the first half. Mm -hmm. But that flip side he made, yeah, that's no. got to be an SC10, man. That's got to be an SC10 highlight right there. That, that was something. That flip side was something else. Yeah, that was nice. I forgot about that shot. That that was his first points. Yeah, yeah. And, and getting to his mid range and his athleticism, be able to to shoot over. Um, I don't want to say smaller defender, just a, defenders that he can jump over and shoot. So it was good to see him just be aggressive, looking to score. And I, I think, um, like I said this earlier, with the defendant and Damian can be consistent. 
in regards to being able to carve out those minutes because of their being consistent. I think it'd be for the betterment of the team. But watching this game with Jamal versus the last game at Kansas, uh, McCullough's really bothered Jamal, and I think that's something that he will play against that length and size in the NBA, and having the ability to finish over that size is something that's probably going to be in question because watching against Kansas, uh, Oklahoma State tonight, they had one player, Zion uh, uh, Williams, who who guarded him really well, but other than that, they really didn't have anyone that had that length and athleticism they could stay in front of Jamal. What, what Have you guys commented on some of the – comments about the uh attendance tonight yeah yeah we talked about we kind of compared a little bit in terms of what was at adam Fieldhouse and potentially could maybe translate something over to the vertita center and then obviously of course when it comes to this game in particular 6 p.m tip off chris you were there what was the attendance at vertita center when the ball was tipped up in the air at 6 p.m oh no it was hardly anybody here because Traffic over here is a nightmare at five o'clock, mm-hmm. five, six o'clock. Yeah, to expect it's not honestly, especially week, people got to work. I mean, we had folks in media who were late getting here because of traffic. So, because most of us have regular jobs and you're doing eight to five, and if you got to go eight to five and drive a distance, it's very hard if you get here on time or get here early. So, you got to know that environment the atmosphere the city all those kind of things play into it a six o'clock start during the week it'd be well attended before tip-off it's not realistic (laughs) ti 7791 says and by the time i got out of work into my car i wanted to fall asleep so (laughs) um that's definitely very real i something we did mention chris and i'm curious to get your thoughts on even um, as the game like houston and never it was close early. It was, what, 13-8 at one point, and then Houston held Oklahoma State scoreless or at least without a field goal for almost eight minutes of the game time in that first half. And, and basically Houston put it away from there, and they were able to play with a cushion. But until Kelvin Sampson got ejected, like, it was kind of just like any any other – really, it reminded me of last season um, when it came to just a typical conference game, a typical American Athletic Conference game when it wasn't Memphis. It was just – another game and and when kelvin got tossed it ignited the fertita center and kind of provided an extra spark what say you the 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 opponent is is part of oklahoma state they're not having a success you know a great season this year but the tip-off time and during the week those were bigger factors than you know for the sparse attendance at the start of the game it got better around halftime but yeah expecting here in Ace Town, six o'clock during the week, for Fertitta Center to be sold out. You know, everybody butts in the seats prior to tip off. Realistic, it, it, you know. So that, that, that's, that's my piece a, on that. It, that's a conference schedule thing. Raúl says he was in attendance, and people showed attendance was great. Just the traffic and game being at six p.m. did not help. Is that set by the conference? The the tip off yeah, time. Tip off times, or in the TV uh, networks, I'd imagine. You know. The conference and the the uh, networks get together and determine tip-off times. Apollo Laxias is plugging your interview with Kelvin about Cedric. Well, Lots. it was an interview. This was my question. The media you know, yeah, it was coach's media media availability. But I wanted to ask it because we had talked about it. Fans had you know brought it up after Kansas on Saturday, so I wanted to get coach's thoughts on Big Sed and his you know playing time for the rest of the season and the really the plan for the staff for him. And I, I think what coach said about comparing him to Chris Harris in the time frame of development says a lot, you know, Chris Harris first few years was a struggle for him, but that senior year, that end of his junior year, senior year, you could really see the improvement and his confidence getting better. And he was an impact. He made a positive impact for oh, the team, you know, last three semesters basically at UH. It's unfortunate that his last season was cut short for COVID, but it would have yep. been interesting to see what he had been able to do um, had that NCAA tournament not been canceled that year. But uh, on the topic of this game, Chris, what did any comments from any of the coaches, any of the players uh, after the game 
what stood out to you from the postgame availability following Houston's 79-63 victory over Oklahoma State? Jamal was asked if there was any difference in Coach Kellen Sampson and Coach Kelvin Sampson once Coach Kelvin was tossed. And Jamal said, you know, we've all been coached by Coach Kellen before. That white team, you know, Coach Kellen handles in practice. So we've all coached them before. And Coach said it's no different. The culture is still the same. The expectations are still the same. The only thing different is the generalism is sitting in the back. That's the only difference. We, I expect you to do the same things, play as hard, no change. And Jamal said it's understood, and that's what we try to do once Coach Samp was ejected. And Badeon, Coach Boynton said that uh, I asked him about Jamal, and he, he, he kind of echoes what we and some of the viewers believe that if Jamal gets a shot in the NBA with, you know, right fit, all the kind of stuff, that he could have a long career in the league because of the type of player he is, work ethic, and his just winning mentality. Coach Boynton has some really nice words to say about Jamal as a player. And he said part of his opening remarks was Jamal shed All-American. And then he said, first team All-American, let me be clear. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw Jamal play, um, I caught a playoff game. He was clearly the best player on the floor, but not one time did he force a shot. And he made the game so much easier through pick and roll and getting his big man layups time and time after game, possession after possession. And that's when I knew then, like, no, did it. He, he got it. He got it. And now, fast forward to now, now that he's um, – develop his offensive game now he's a threat finishing inside the paint with the, his left right and his mid-range jumper now he can make threes i think that just makes him an all-around better player along with intangible things that you mentioned winning leading the team but being a natural playmaker and knowing how to control the tempo of the game i mean on those size and three point all those things matter at some point you still have to have someone that can control the tempo of the game or come off the bench, whatever the case may be, whatever the situation is, you need a player that can set your team down and be the general on the floor, and he can do that. And, you know, the offense kind of bogged down in the second half when Maul was on the bench. Kellen put him back in. Offense clicked just like that because Jamal is that leader. He's that floor leader. He's that general. And the offense, obviously, is much more efficient and effective when he's in charge. Just want to see a game when him and LJ both have it going at the same time because Agreed. they, they complement each other well. Because of when Jamal has it going and the defense folks on getting him out of the paint, that should open up for LJ to be able to catch and shoot or be able to catch and drive or do whatever the case may be. And it already does that for the manual. I mean, you know, game to game, Emmanuel is going to get you his 12. Now, it may look different on the game to game because some games he might make four threes or some games he might make one. He might go to the free throw line. So that's how I know he's a natural scorer. But I want to see a game with um, Jamal and LJ both have it going at the same time. And LJ had good looks. Many of them are good looks, but there was one point in the second half. He had his man. He came off the curl, had his man behind him. I think even his defender fell down. And LJ, instead of going continuing to the basket, he slowed up and gave his man a chance to get back up and ended up blocking his shot. And I'm like, LJ, if you, you had a trip to the bucket, just keep going to the basket and attack. But he didn't. But, you know, just picking things here and there. The Coos won. Oklahoma State did not score 70, Andy. <laughs> I said they wouldn't score 70 on Saturday. They would not score 70. All the free throws. Down the stretch made me kind of wonder, but they did not score 70. Coos won by 16. The game really wasn't in doubt after a while, but Coos on the road this Saturday, and that'll be a tough one. Yeah, uh, only a 16-point win. Honestly, it, it, it wasn't as close as the final score seems in this game with between Houston and Oklahoma State. Uh, Chris, like you just mentioned, what's upcoming for this Houston Cougars team, a trip heading north to a familiar foe a familiar territory at fifth thirds arena against the cincinnati bearcats who have put together a really strong and quite frankly an impressive season in their inaugural year in the big 12 they're entering they're going to be entering the matchup 
15 and 7. And this is going to be an opportunity for a quad one win for the Houston Cougars. It's going to be a quad one game for Houston. Obviously, the Bearcats are going to be coming off a week's rest. They last played on this past Saturday when they went into Texas Tech and got a big win against the Red Raiders, 75-72. to What do you guys expect to come from that game from the Bearcats, what West Miller has been able to establish up in Cincinnati, Ohio? Jizzle James. I want to get get the, the nickname right. Jizzle James. Edron James, son. Golly, I'm old. Boy, but it's just a matchup. You know, Coach West has done a good job establishing Cincinnati's program, reestablishing it. And both teams, both programs know each other well, the American face and all. So I think it's going to be competitive, probably ugly at times, defensive struggle. Cougs are going to have to probably score probably 70 points or so to win, maybe 60, 65, whatever, because I think it's going to be a low-scoring physical. That game might come down to how the refs call it, how tight they call it, because both teams really have to get after it defensively and are physical on both for both squads. But it's up front. Bearcats have some size, but, you know, the Cougs, nothing they haven't gone against before. I'm looking forward to it. Game is on, what is it, ESPN, ESPN2 on Saturday? The game will be on ESPN2, 3 p.m. tip-off Central Time on ESPN2 on Saturday. And that, and you're right. It's another quad one opportunity for the Cougs. Tonight was quad three. Last quad three for the Cougs were the uh, conference play until turn, post, uh, conference championship maybe. They play home state again. Yeah, I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game, a close game, a cat fight, I mean, or dog fight. <laughs> cat <laughs> fight for, yes, for this um, sake. But I think it's going to be a tough game. I think um, they know Houston. We know them. Uh, it's probably be one of probably one of the toughest games in regards just to on-the-floor matchups, on the road. Their crowd is going to be, I'm sure, electric. And um, like Chris just said, I mean, they got a lot of talent and good size, and they're going to be ready to play. They're going to be ready to play. And, um, I mean, no, they're going to get – Houston's going to get their best shot. But I, I think um, Houston will be well prepared, and their defense will probably be the difference. I think, like Chris said, it could be how the referees call it, or I think it could be who makes the most shots, three-pointers, that is. Which team is able to make shots? Because that's the name of the game. Rowan HD on YouTube says he doesn't expect Houston to steamroll Cincinnati because of how they will fight. But he says he's been watching their games. And one thing that Cincinnati struggles to do, he says they cannot close and finish games. Going back to last season when Houston played at Fifth Thirds Arena, I mean, it was a competitive close game for the overwhelming majority of it. And so Houston was able to kind of pull away late and you know ride that separation to the finish line. But uh, Burkett's play hard. That's a tough environment. The, the atmosphere is going to be crazy. And like you guys both just mentioned, familiar foes. There's going to be a lot of physicality and a lot of chippiness in that matchup. Agreed. I mean, it's another road game in the Big 12. You know, And Cincinnati has, except for uh, point guard Jizzle James, really experienced at the other spots, possesses on the floor. So that's going to they, you know, most of the guys, a lot of the guys for the Bearcats have faced Houston before, so they're not going to won't be new to them. But that point guard matchup, Jamal Shed against Jizzle James, advantage Jamal Shed clearly. But that's not saying Jizzle James doesn't not have talent, doesn't have the experience yet. That being said, Chris, is there anything else you'd? Um, want to add just in terms of takeaways from either post game interviews, from being there live, anything before we close out? We didn't get a chance to ask Jamal about really what he injured or what he hurt when he crashed to the floor. He seemed to move around okay, you know, walking in and out of, of the Jim Nance media room. So it doesn't seem to be too serious. But it was only Jamal, one player, and Coach Sampson came and talked to us tonight. So that's, that's different. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, with 
that being said, that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs. Of course, we're going to like to say thank you to Steve Saxonina for being at the primary sponsor of today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs. Once again, this is Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. Of course, we also like to say thank you to Mike and Jennifer Pittman with Star Pizza for being the secondary sponsor to today's episode. Star Pizza with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform, whether it be on the Houston Rombar Review YouTube channel or the Pod Slamma Jamma YouTube channel. Of course, if you're watching us on X.com, make sure that you follow, hit the follow button on uh, the Pod Slamma Jamma account. I think we're very close to hitting um, 1.4K followers on that platform so of course we always can ever say thank you enough for the support thank you for tuning in and taking the time out of your tuesday night to be able to tune in chris i'm gonna toss it over to you anything you'd like to plug in any final words thank you randy thank you Dion, for for carrying the show while i was listening to coach samp watch post game everybody go to the once it's posted on the athletic channel for you know houston's athletic channel watch post game because some of y'all may like coach sampson's answers and some of y'all may respond differently <laughs> but watch coach the post game press conference tonight if you haven't already seen it please watch my interview with tyrell kirkham the big 12 chief marketing officer spoke to him this morning about oh, 25 30 minutes conversation he touched on his role to big 12 and marketing ideas and everything in between and lo and behold i didn't know until october but he used to work for the Detroit Pistons for a few years before coming to the Big 12. He's worked with Commissioner Yomark for going back to their time with the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets. So a really good conversation with him. Follow me on the platforms, Houston Round Bar View on Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Spoutable, et cetera. As always, thank you for taking time to be with us on this edition of Less Rage Coups. And we will see you Saturday. And as always, the Houston Round Bar View since 1994, local name, global perspective. Unmute myself. Well, I always appreciate the support, all of you all who tuned in on regardless of the YouTube channel, Pod Slam and Jamal or Houston Round Barbecue. We appreciate support. Always a pleasure to be alongside Chris and Andy. Good dominated win for Houston. Get back on track. Can wait to see them go on the road and see if they can take care of business against Cincinnati. Then look forward to their tough stretch of games after that as we get closer and closer to March. And it's always go Cougs, baby. <laughs>